Welcome to Technado. Welcome back to another episode of Technado. I am your host for the show, Sophie Goodwin. Real quick, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, ACI Learning, uh, for sponsoring the podcast. If you are watching from the Technado website, you can click on that button that says Sponsored By and use that code Technado30 for a discount on an IT Pro membership. But enough of all that. We've got a lovely episode coming up here, uh, and I'm not alone. I've got Don Pizzette to my left. He is back and better than ever, as far as I know. How are you, Don? I am doing great. We're back to full staff. It's uh, I feel like it's been a while. Mm-hmm. You guys were out at Wild West Hacking Fest last week, and uh, I think I was out sick the week before, wasn't I, or something? I was out somewhere. Don was uh, out dead. But you know, <laughs> over the last uh, week and a half, so many crazy things have happened, and I'm really excited for this episode. Uh, it's just, it, it's going crazy out there, folks. There was plenty of news waiting for you upon your return. <laughs> we did sob openly that Don couldn't be with us last week at, uh, at Wild West Hack and Fest, but he's back. And of course, we've also got Daniel, who was with us last week at Wild West Hack and Fest. How are you feeling being back in the home studio? Well, now that the crisis counselor has been brought in, and you know, she's she's really good at her job and helped me <laughs> work through the troubled time that were Don not being there and then us having to come back because we didn't want to leave. <laughs> it was pretty awesome up there. Really glad there's people available to, to help you through yes, yes. that tough time. If you are also going through post-con blues, if you're going through withdrawals, or if you couldn't make it, we do have a playlist on the IT Pro channel that has all of our interviews of all the cool cyber kids we got to talk to. Cyber kids. The cyber coolest kids. kids in cybersecurity is what I meant. <laughs> yeah, cyber kids. Let's just demean them a little bit. Um, but we do have a bunch of interviews with them on a playlist. So if you want to relive any of that, feel free to check that out. But... We're here to talk about tech and security news. So we'll go ahead and get started with that. We've got this first article from Tech Radar. World's biggest PC vendor takes first step that could establish Android as Windows' biggest rival ever. And this as the longest headline ever. And eliminate Google Chrome OS at the same time. That's the headline. That is the full headline. So it's funny. It sounded like you were going to say, world's biggest piece. <laughs> <laughs> and then you followed up with C. I had to yeah. censor myself. C. Yeah. yeah. I, I was like, wow, myself. this is a crazy headline. <laughs> <laughs> So Lenovo is going to start uh, distributing devices powered by the Esper Foundation OS. So uh, looking to maybe eliminate Google Chrome OS. Do do you think this is realistic? What does this mean? Well, we'll have to see. If if you've never heard of the Esper OS or Esper Foundation, um, don't don't feel bad. Neither did I. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) These people are not new on the radar. They've been around a little while, and they've been focused on creating a desktop-capable version of Android. And... Over the years, if you've listened to the podcast, I've asked many times, like, why does Apple have iPad OS and Mac OS? They both effectively do the same thing. They could just pick one and be done with it. Microsoft tried that. Microsoft said, you know, why have a separate crappy Windows when we could just take our regular Windows that's already mediocre and then spread that across the different devices and whatever. Um, and so we have Windows 11 now that, that will run on mobile and, and desktop devices. Uh, they haven't really done anything with it, though. And Google, perplexingly, released Android, but also Chrome OS for these devices. And a lot of people, like myself, said, why make Chrome OS? If it, it just runs Android apps anyway, wh- why why make that a separate OS? Well, Apple and Google are not answering that. In fact, Google's muddied the waters even more by introducing a third OS called Fuchsia. So they're just like <laughs> all over the place. Uh, so Lenovo's taking things into their own hands, and they're saying, hey, it, it's time. Why don't we just get Android running directly on a laptop, and that way you can manage it the same way. You could have mobile phones, tablets, and laptops, and eventually desktops that are all running Android. One ecosystem it has got an MDM, mobile device manager, built into it, and you can have it all right there. 
Uh, this is not the first time Lenovo has tried this. I, I, I've read through a number of articles. Nobody really mentioned it, but there have been past efforts from Lenovo to do this exact thing. They've not been successful. Mm. Uh, Lenovo has released multiple Android tablets. They've never made a dent in the marketplace. And in fact, they kind of became giveaways. Like the, the Lenovo salesperson would come to your organization and say, let me show you our new servers and our new laptops and you want to buy this stuff. And oh, for every hundred you buy, we'll throw in one of these tablets. And so, you know, they kind of like giving them away to IT departments, but they never really gained market share. So I don't know how this will do. I, I think it totally makes sense and it, it should be a thing. It should happen. Uh, but I, I don't know that Lenovo will be able to make that work. Okay. That's interesting. Cause I had never heard of, of the Esper foundation OS either. And I had never heard of Fuchsia and probably most operating systems that are out there that are not windows. I'm not super familiar with. So, um, so this, I guess it's interesting to find that there's so many other other ones out there that just aren't that popular, I guess. Yeah. Uh, you know, Google, Google has been all about mixed messages for years on this stuff. They haven't released a good Android tablet in some time. And they, they just released one that's super mediocre. Uh, their last high-end one was the, uh, I think it was just called the Pixel tablet, wasn't mm. it? Do you remember, Daniel? I have no idea. It, it was, <laughs> right? it was really nice. It's that good. It was expensive, <laughs> but then they just kind of abandoned it. Well, um, what is the purpose of creating these devices if they're not going to like actually try and compete? It doesn't seem like they're really trying to compete in the tablet market. They're just wanting something in that space for the sake of having something in that space. Yeah, I I think that's true. And, and they won't answer the question really why why that is. Not really, no. And and that the Fuchsia OS when they released it, it's actually running on their um, oh what device is it? The, like a Google TV type thing gotcha. uh, that, that's actually running Fuchsia. So. They're they're actively putting this stuff out, but Google constantly reminds you, like, hey, we make our money on ads, and these other devices and stuff, that's just us dabbling, and we'll cut those projects whenever we feel like it and let them starve on the vine. Um, they did that with Google Voice for a long time, where, like, mm. Google Voice didn't get an update for six years. And, and everybody's like, well, I guess they're going to get rid of it, and then, then they suddenly did an update, and now it's been, huh. like, another four years, and... That's just the way they roll. Man, my mind just says they're doing something nefarious. <laughs> that they're twisting their mustache. And there's reasons behind this that we just aren't privy to. Could be. Yeah. You know, because the fact that they're not very forthcoming with information, obviously we know that they, you know, track our lives to the nth degree as much as they possibly can. Uh, and that's true for many different uh, services that we use. So I'm not trying to say they're the only mustache twister out there, but... I, yeah. I have I look at them with a jaundiced eye when when you're not telling me things. I mean, you could just be piss poor at marketing. You could just <laughs> right that that could be what's up. Hey, we're gonna make the greatest new tablet. It's gonna have this cool OS and it's gonna be awesome. And we didn't really you know do well at telling people about it, so it didn't sell. And yeah, now we can get them for like low low prices. What's kind of hardware mm. <laughs> this runs on? Can I get a cheap tablet now? <laughs> you know, with, with Google, it kind of makes sense to me. Uh, Lenovo being a hardware vendor, they're gonna step in and push this. It's additional hardware they yeah. can sell and. Uh, and with Chrome OS being in the weird gray area that it's in right now, here's a chance for them to to step up and, and introduce something new. Apple's the one that confuses me because every year they do their big iPad announcements mm. and there's there's big new technology being released in iPad OS every year. And it's got advanced biometrics and passkey support and all this stuff. And it gets it before Mac OS. And Mac OS, when you see the Mac OS announcements, they're pretty lame <laughs> each year. It's like, oh, hey, this year. This year, in 2023, we've got desktop widgets. Ooh. You had them before. You took them away. Yeah. You're bringing them back. That's not really a new feature. Like That's that's the support macOS is getting right now. And 
I, I just don't see why they're maintaining two OSs there. So maybe this will be the one that tips the scale. I don't think it will be, but it's another type of new device that's coming out. And um, it, it's breaking news right now, so we're not going to cover it today. But there's some new ARM processor technology that's coming out that's supposed to mm. really move things on the PC side of the world. This could be one of the first steps into really adopting that and, and making it mainstream. Well, well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. I makes me think of uh, Brigitte Nielsen and Cobra putting a bunch of ketchup on French fries. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why are you doing that? How does that? <laughs> they. Uh, I wish I had those tied together. That's because I make them, Don. Because I make them. (laughs) It's a bit of an inside joke that now Don is laughing at inside. I am. We uh, (laughs) we were celebrating the movie Cobra. We were uh, before, and you know, I didn't mention mention we were talking, Daniel. But uh, aside from Brigitte Nielsen in that movie, yeah, you are the other person that I've seen that uses ketchup at that level. So effing funny (laughs) (laughs) was because of that. Was I? I will drown my fries in ketchup. Yeah. Well, in other news, I've added another movie to my list now that I need to watch. We should try to slip a cover uh, reference into every tech article. Now. That's going to be the new Predator now. Yeah, that's right. That's going to be the next one. So it does sound like, I know you mentioned um, Lenovo's had other attempts similar to this in the past and didn't really stick. And it sounds like you're kind of thinking it's probably not going to stick this time around either. I don't think it will. Okay. No. Well, I e guess. for effort, right? Yeah. E for effort, I, yeah. I hope it does. I think we, we are at that point where we need to start uh, kind of consolidating these operating systems. There's so many things that have gone to cloud computing and all that. I, I feel like we need to do that. Mm. I just, I don't know that it's going to happen. Just at least not this time around, I guess. So, okay, well, there you have it. <laughs> that's our that's our first piece of tech news today and your first movie reference of the episode. Let's <laughs> see if you can find them all. This next article comes to us from Bleeping Computer. Microsoft plans to kill off NTLM authentication in Windows 11. So I've seen a, a couple other people talk about this as well. And uh, it does say, you know, announced earlier this week that uh, the NTLM authentication protocol will be killed off in Windows 11 in the future. And it seems like (laughs) some people are like, okay, well, that's pretty vague. Like, this is not this is not an imminent thing in the future could be like 20 years in the future. So I'm curious what y'all think about this. So, Sophie, I think you might be a mind reader because um, for some people out there, this this might be the first time this is on your radar and, and you hear about, hey, they're killing off NTLM authentication. What does that mean, right? Well, in in Windows, there are two main forms of authentication. There's actually like four or five different types of authentication you can do, but there's two main ones. One of them is NTLM, and the other one is Kerberos. Kerberos is what you're supposed to use, right? That's what Active Directory uses, and that's the one that the most systems rely upon. Very secure. It was it was designed with security in mind. It uses certificate based authentication and and tokens and so on. So it's a good, reliable system. And, and Daniel, keep me, yeah, keep me honest. Until you're doing Kerber roasting and golden ticket and silver ticket attacks. And <laughs> it has some problems. <laughs> it has some issues. But yeah. uh, but it is yeah. considerably more secure than NTLM. Yes. If you've not heard of NTLM, what that stands for is the uh, NT LAN manager. And, and NT is new technology from the Windows NT days. So way back, let's get a time machine and go back to 1990. Six? Uh, when, when did NT4 NT? come out? Uh, oh, yeah. That was about right. 96, yeah. 97? Yeah. Um, back in the Windows 3.1 days, Microsoft didn't have a networking stack. Windows was a standalone product. DOS was a standalone product. And when they decided to do a network stack, they just licensed it from Intel. They went to Intel, and Intel had this thing called LAN Manager, and Microsoft said, hey, can we buy that and put it in our product? And that was Windows for workgroups yeah. way back in the day. NT4 was the first operating system to incorporate that in the OS. So 1996, we're talking 
uh, I'm bad at math, 25 years ago? Almost 40. No, 30. Almost 30 years uh, ago. A long time ago, yeah. right? Uh, this happened, and that, that hey, was I didn't say the... I wasn't bad at math either. <laughs> you, you had me for a right? second. <laughs> so that, that worked out for a little while. And, and by a little while, I mean the 1990s. Yeah. In 2000, the, the year 2000... In the year... No. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best Conan O'Brien skit. Yeah, it was. <laughs> um, Microsoft released Windows 2000, which had the Active Directory, which used Kerberos. And at the time, in the year 2000, Microsoft said, hey, guys, Kerberos is the future. We're going to shut off NTLM one day. And people freaked out because they had printers. They had wireless access points were yeah. new things. So people were just buying work, these. Don. And it's going to break authentication across yeah. these devices. So everybody panicked. And Microsoft said, no, calm down, calm down. We're going to keep NTLM. And when we're ready to turn it off, you can still turn it back on. It's all good. Yeah. Well, that was over 20 years ago. Yeah. And and you fast forward to today, and NTLM is still going strong, still used a lot of places. And Microsoft is saying, we think it might be time to turn it off. Um, In the future. <laughs> it, it needs to get turned off. It, it should have been turned off 15 years ago, really. But... Microsoft is always focused on backwards compatibility and yeah. supporting businesses and Don't stuff forget, like that. Don't uh, forget Net NTLM V2, yeah. right? <laughs> Which is a very commonly used protocol for things like email and uh, SMB. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it's and, it's still kicking pretty hard. And open source projects that integrate with Windows environments, you know, they'll use Samba and and it it's built on top of NTLM for authentication as well. So it's it's out there. It's in use in a lot of places. Uh, it does need to go away. Right. Uh, Daniel, you probably know this better than me. Like how many CVs, how many public exploited in the wild vulnerabilities have there been around NTLM authentication? Man, I, a lot. I couldn't tell you the exact number, but there's there's one or two out there. You can go look them up and that's going to be a lot of fun for you to go down that rabbit trail. Just yeah. add to exploit-db.com and type in NTLM. You know what? I'm going to do that right now. I'll, <laughs> I'll see what we get. Yeah, because uh, there's, there's a bunch. Yeah, let's see here. Exploitdb.com. And wait for it. And we type in NTLM. Let's see here. The article said relay attacks, pass the hash attacks. So it's obviously it's not immune. Right? So oh yeah, just just for like in the wild, exploitable on on um, uh, ExploitDB, there are 15 entries that have like the, here here is some point and click POC Here's the exploit code. code for making this happen or, or like a module or something. You can yep. just download and run these scripts and uh, try to make this happen. Uh, most of them are verified to absolutely work. Squid, NTLM, oh, that was a fun one. It's like a lot of them are just built into Metasploit at this point, right? Uh, <laughs> it's like zero effort. Right. Look, it's Metasploit, Metasploit. It's just Metasploit. Oh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. So you just fire up Metasploit, type in search NTLM, and have fun. Because it very it might work if you're not patched, it's it's probably going to work. Yep. So I I totally agree with this change. I think it should have happened a long time ago. We need to disable NTLM. It's not needed anymore. All modern systems have moved over yeah. to Kerberos, and if a system hasn't moved over to it, well, shame on you. Like that that that's been a long time coming. But Microsoft is still making it where they're rolling out the option for you to turn it off. So there'll be a group policy object that you can enable. Uh, that will allow you to turn off NTLM. This has actually been one of those for a long mm -hmm. time, but now they're, they're making it more prominent. And then when they do turn it off, that policy will change to make it where you can turn it back on again if you want it. And then support will actually get removed probably around the time I die. <laughs> uh, would be my guess. Yeah. Maybe in my lifetime. Okay. Yeah. So so this is really, this is not a case of like, uh, 
well, this is just, it still exists for no reason and they just need to get rid of it. It's still being used some places, just not in a lot of like modern situations. It's it just- It shouldn't be, but okay. it is, yes. Okay, so do you think that's that's probably why it, it hasn't gone bye-bye sooner is just that so many people are still using it even though they probably shouldn't? Yeah, like industrial control systems. You, okay. You'll see, um, or what are those called? Um, uh, SCADA. SCADA, there yeah. we go, SCADA stuff. Uh, you'll see where they, they use this because they were designed back in the 80s when this yeah. was what was available and they haven't been updated and and that's why our power grid, our utilities are so vulnerable Don, right now. it sounds almost like NTLM is like a disease and Kerberos is the cure. <laughs> <laughs> is that a Cobra, that's a Cobra reference? reference okay. by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say that um, Kerberos is like one method of, of treatment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you need a lot more. Yeah. You there's just, also chemo. And <laughs> I, oh God. <laughs> I wanted to do the history lesson on NTLM so that people understood, like, it was it's written been around. back when networks were trustworthy. And you can't take an old protocol like that and expect it to perform in today's world. It's just not Oh, possible. I love it. Uh, because of NTLM, you can do, like, pass the hash, where I just need the hash of your password. I don't need the actual password. And it'll go, well, I mean, you wouldn't have this hash unless you were that person. So I will accept it as if it were the password. Yeah. Now, of course, we've we've put some constraints around that and some mitigations to help bring that down to a much a quieter uh, roar. But for a long time, man, that thing, and you can still do it with the, if I'm not mistaken, with the right circumstances and the right capabilities. So it's, yeah, yeah, but... <laughs> That's why hackers like it. <laughs> if hackers like it, you should probably be like, I hate this thing. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It was it was uh introduced before I was born. So that yeah. gives you an idea of how long it's it's been around. Not that that says a ton, because I'm only twelve, but you know. Yes. <laughs> that uh, uh that tells Don, you. Don, how are you with your child labor laws? <laughs> she can only work three hours a day, right? Is Great. that what it it's is? just this podcast? Yeah, it's just the That's podcast. all I do, and then yeah, they send me home. She's now we're gonna get inspected. <laughs> COPA violations. I am at least 18 years of age. Uh, she's not allowed to <laughs> sign up for social media. <laughs> yeah. Well, is it really illegal if they don't find out? Yeah, yeah I guess. It is. Uh, it is still yeah, illegal. It's still illegal. We'll, we'll go ahead and move on. I don't want to get Don in trouble. This next article comes to us from Ars Technica. Uh, after ChatGPT disruption, Stack Overflow lays off 28% of staff. So I was reading through this, and it's obviously it's kind of a bummer headline, right? Like, geez, a lot of people yeah. have jobs. And the whole first paragraph just reads like an ad for ChatGPT. It's like, it's... <laughs> It's, oh, you can get instant corrections to your code optimization suggestions. And uh, code has a unique instant or ability to be instantly verified. So it doesn't really matter if it's not super accurate because you can just double check. Like the whole thing just reads like ChatGPT is great. Oh, but all these people got fired. So it's just, I guess it's just an unfortunate reality of the rise of generative AI, I guess is what is what it would be called. So that's how it's positioned um, in this article and in some of the other news feeds out there. But I think this is actually a symptom of something a little different. Uh, have you guys heard the term, and I don't necessarily buy into this, but have you guys heard the term inshittification? Uh, huh? That's a new one to me. Okay. I'm not making this up. Uh, there, there's a whole book on this about the life cycle of companies. So is this the whole New York had a problem with like horse crap and then the car got invented? No. Yeah. But, but I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> I could see that tangent. The, the idea is that there's a life cycle for, for uh, tech startups now, right? So when they start up, they have a great product. They have something that people love, people get attached to, people want to be a part of it and, and use it. There's an ecosystem that's yeah. created, right? As the company grows, they take funding. And once they take funding, they reinvest in the company. So it continues to grow. They create now a product that you rely upon, right? Yeah. 
But once you take funding, now you have investors that want you to focus on profitability. Yeah. And so then they start looking at their B2B customers, right? So stop, stop focusing on consumers, consumers. the individuals, right. and instead focus on the companies that could use your product, right? So they start onboarding more companies and focusing on company features. And at that point, the end user, the individual user starts to feel left behind, right? So that company doesn't care about me anymore. They're, they're focused on enterprise. Well, then once that goes, then usually the company sells, or there's some other transaction. And after that, it's a straight up focus on uh, EBITDA, which is like a financial calculation on profitability, right? right? And at that point, they do things like big layoffs. Right. Uh, it's a race to the bottom at this point. It becomes a race to the bottom. Yeah. yeah. And then the company winds down and goes away, right? right? So you can look at a lot of tech startups and see how they follow this cycle. And it looks like Stack Overflow was well in that cycle. Hmm. Uh, so they laid off 28% of their staff and they said it's in reaction to chat GPT, right? But in reality, the CEO comes out and says, we are 28% of the people that do this are a-holes. <laughs> well, so I, I want to mention that, but, uh, but he says, look, we're on a path to profitability. Hmm. So that's really what this is about. They're either getting ready for an IPO or they've got investors that are driving it. So that to me, the chat GPT stuff is just a side thing, but, but let me, let me just say, uh, you know, first off, I feel for the twenty eight percent. Absolutely, those people, those are those are tech workers. Those those are our people. Yeah, uh, and the job market is not pleasant right now. Uh, mm -hmm. There have been so many layoffs that there's a lot of competition for tech jobs. So I feel really bad for right. those because this drives down like salaries and benefits. It and does just like makes you another cog in the wheel, which is not really what we want. I mean, tech is uh, tech is an interesting field to me. I don't know about you, Don, but it's almost like it's almost like we're in some way, and I don't want to get weird on this, but like we're artists, right? We we're passionate about the technology and what we can do with it and how we can bend it and shape it and do new things. And we want to be creative. So for it to kind of boil down to just another number yeah. for as workers, that, that kind of sucks. Yep. Now, with that being said, uh, I think I've been vocal about this on the podcast <laughs> in the past. Um, I feel bad for those people, and I really do hope that they're able to to land other jobs out there yeah. and, and get their feet under them. Um, I, I I couldn't be happier to see Stack Overflow, uh, <laughs> you know, suffering a bit. They have such a toxic community, they, and I, I will say this: I say that they did right. I have within the last couple of years. Uh, no, is, Daniel, this is a duplicate of this <laughs> yeah, other yeah, uh, yeah. comment you no, made no, no. about Microsoft Windows. That's a stupid question. Yep. <laughs> yep. Why would you even ask this? I always love when I get um, uh, opinion-based. I'm like, this is absolutely not opinion-based. Like, objectively, this is not an opinion-based question. Answer the flippant thing or move on. It is not an opinion whether or not this can do that or not or whether I could use it that way or not. Yes, philosophically, that might be something I do or don't do, but my question is whether or not it has the ability yeah. Right. And I, I oh, that used to drive me insane. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, this is. The, yeah. Uh, but I would say, again, the my then uh, within the last few years, it has gotten a lot better as far as culturally, where they're just like, hey, here's the answer. Hey, here's the and it's like, yay. Thank you. You know, we were, John Strand kind of talked about the specifically the security community. And Don, you probably know this, but it's, it was all over IT in, in general uh, from when we were coming up. You ask somebody a question and they, if they knew the answer, it was a way to like lord over you, mm. right? It was a way to be like, oh, you didn't read the manual? 
well, piss off, peon. Yeah. Here's the book. Here's the here's the white paper. You know, do some research, and then if you can't figure it out, come and ask me a question. That was very prominent, and Stack Overflow was just like to me the last vestige of that. Yeah. And now it's finally starting to like those those people are kind of sunsetting, and now what we see today, where people are very helpful and open, are are becoming just the the normal. Yeah, I mean, when you mistreat your users, you are just asking to be disrupted. You're yeah. asking for another competitor to come in and do something better, and. ChatGPT has done that. It it doesn't deride you. And <laughs> now here's an interesting thought about the AI phenomena. So I'm also a guitar player, right? I play guitar, and in guitar, there's this. There has been for a while a comeuppance of digital technology, right? Using DSP and creating digital representations of all the analog things that we've used for years. Mm-hmm. Problem with analog is it's super expensive. It's heavy. It's actually physical, right? You got to carry it around. Whereas I can buy a digital piece and have all those things in one. That's kind of nice. It's like, ah, and their ability to get the sound similar to that of the actual gear. And we kind of see that similarly here, right? You've got Stack Overflow. While it does live in a digital space, it's recreating what you would get from Stack Overflow by sourcing Stack Overflow and giving you those answers. If it's using Stack Overflow, and this is my point about the guitar, if I stop making analog pieces of gear, what are you modeling? Right. There's yeah. nothing left to model. You now have to build it all digitally. There is nothing to reference after that if everyone just moves completely over to digital. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I feel like it will eventually just be uh, small boutique uh, builders that build analog devices. And then that's what gets modeled and put. But then there's going to be, I'm sure, IP and copyright infringement at that point where they're going to try to stop them from doing that because it. But same thing here. Right, if I've got ChatGPT sourcing out, and no one goes to chat, uh, uh, Stack Overflow anymore, and they're not feeding into that, what's ChatGPT going to pull from? Yeah, right. It's going to have to swing back the other way, where ChatGPT, ChatGPT, or AI no longer <laughs> has my answer. I have to go back to forum-based questions because I need to ask somebody that does have the answer. Yeah, and and maybe those forums don't exist anymore. Right. What uh, do we do? We have to build some new. And then, of course, the cycle will then continue. I feel like there's some sci-fi novel about right? this, like yeah. how you know, technology just stagnates and that's the end of it. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, anyway. That's that's really uplifting. Wow. <laughs> and I think Daniel invented a new chatbot. Chat D D G B T D. Chat T P T. Chat Chat D T. I like that. It's only a matter of time before Daniel figures out a way to. How about? I mean, I think we could make this. What about like a Doom GPT? Like whatever you ask it, it will then answer in terms of how it's going to end society as we know it. That would be awesome. Just give up. Well, then maybe maybe somebody out there will will take that and run with it. If you do, we would love to hear about it. I was thinking more of like it's just gonna run around shooting aliens and monsters. Yeah, I was thinking like the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the it game can do Doom. that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just yeah. meant like a doomsday yeah. sayer, it, you know. It references doom <laughs> with every answer. The answers will be scary, but it'll have a kick ass soundtrack. Right. So that's really all that matters. Did, so. did you guys ever see where it was it was on a, a Linux system where they made a file manager that was Doom. Oh, really? And so, like, when you wanted to browse into a folder, you'd run into the no folder. Way. And when you want to open a file, that you'd shoot the file. Cool. And yeah, it was a it was a file browser in oh, Doom. Oh, I'm looking that up. Or maybe oh. it might have been Quake. I, I'm pretty sure it was Doom. I think though. it was Doom. Yeah, because yeah. I think there's like a a push to install Doom on everything you possibly can. Like I've seen them put it on. There was like an IKEA lamp that hmm. somebody hacked because it had a board on it and it had a display, and they put Doom on it. 
and you can play Doom mm. on They'll probably the Probably put it like those fridges that will <laughs> yeah. show you like a digital. Yeah. Probably figure Guarantee. out a way. Don's huh. looking it up right now. I'm trying to find it, but I'm finding yeah. other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want Doom. <laughs> While Don is looking into that, um, obviously AI is always a, a hot button topic, and there's always a lot of opinions, and sometimes it, it gets controversial. But I'm curious if you're watching from YouTube, what do you think about this rise of AI and chatbots like ChatGPT? Good, bad, little both. And as far as how it affected Stack Overflow here, there's a lot of people in the, in the comments here on this article that are, you know, saying, yeah, this is really making a big difference and it's going to affect more companies like this. And a lot of other people that are saying, hmm, I think this is more due to just they overhired in 2022 and now they're having to lay off people and they're just, you know, oh, ChatGPT is to blame and that's not really the case. So I'm curious what y'all think about that because uh, I'm no businessman, so I wouldn't know. But it's always nice to hear different opinions on that as long as you don't. Be nice about it. You know. <laughs> as don't long as you me, don't be nice about it. <laughs> as long as you don't, dot, 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 just be nice about it. <laughs> don't go. make me cry with your just comments, please. Nice. I'm I'm very I'm very sensitive this week. Yeah, so you, wouldn't, you wouldn't think of it, but she is. She's very, I know. Like, I look like I'm tough as nails. She'll well up so fast. <laughs> I mean, you throw one derogatory mark her way and she's crying <laughs> in the hallway. <laughs> I remember when we were, I was like submitting articles like, oh, this might be neat. This might be neat. It was like months ago, but I submitted like two or three from the Hacker News because yeah. I thought they were all cool. And Daniel came over to my desk and was like, all you ever submit is stuff from Hacker News. <laughs> I thought about that for like a week straight <laughs> and I didn't touch Hacker News Just for internalizing. like a month. I was like, he's right. I only have two news sources <laughs> oh. and I like didn't touch it for forever. So, yeah. so you're right. It, it sticks what? with me. All I submit is from Hacker News too. So <laughs> it was an observation, not an accusation. <laughs> he was, right, exactly. He was undermining you to protect his own mediocrity. Yeah. <laughs> right. Stop, stop dipping in my well, woman. <laughs> That's my turf. That's right. Find your own spot. Did you, <laughs> were you successful in your search, Don? Uh, so I found a process manager that was built in Doom. So like if you want to, if you had a, a program running in the background and you yeah, wanted to yeah. terminate it. Um, oh, wait, that's not it. Um, oh, darn it. No, he's lost I'm it. trying to find a video. But anyhow, so I, I did find a process manager, uh, but I haven't found the file. The one I saw was, was a file, file explorer. Yeah, it was cool. Maybe somebody anyway. watching is familiar. Maybe they've used this this thing that you're talking about. It sounds cool. Can't say I've ever heard of it before, but it sounds really cool. So, hey, yep. if you've heard of it, let us know. And Don will continue his search in the, in the meantime. <laughs> I will find it. Do you, do you want to go to break so you have time yeah, to look? Yeah, let's okay. do that. Let's do that. All right, we'll give Don some time to see if he can find what he's looking for. Uh, but don't go away. We will be right back with more security news here on Technado. Tired of trying to schedule your team's time around in-person learning? Isn't it a bummer to spend thousands of dollars on travel for professional development? What if we said you can save money and time and still provide your team with the best training possible? The answer to your woes is live online training from ACI Learning. With live online training, we provide our top in-person courses in private, online, instructor-led formats. You get to provide professional development in a manner that fits today's expectations. Entertaining, convenient, and effective. Our exam-aligned courses inspire the full potential of your team. Visit virtual instructor-led training at ACI Learning for more info. Welcome back for more Technado. Thanks for sticking with us for this long. If you're wondering about uh, Don's search for what he was looking for, he <laughs> did find what he was looking for. I don't remember. Was there well, it was, a it name was close. or something? It wasn't the same thing. Okay. I specifically remember a file manager that was built in Doom. What I found was PS Doom, which is a process manager. So <laughs> the guy goes into the Doom level and, and all the creatures have a process ID and like he shoots his bash process and ends it and stuff like it, that. Yeah. yeah. Huh. So, uh, so, so people have, have made it. If you're bored, look for PS Doom. Uh, I also just on a whole different thing, um, found where somebody got where Doom could run inside of the Windows Task Manager, which is that's crazy. pretty crazy. Yeah. So lots of lots of good Doom stuff out there. 
Well, if you enjoy uh, winding <laughs> side roads like that uh, and you're enjoying the show so far, we would love it if you, uh, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, if you would subscribe, we would absolutely love that so that you never miss an episode of Technado in the future. We love having you join us. And we love hearing from y'all in the comments as well. So first half of the first half of the show, obviously, we talk a lot about tech news and we did talk a little bit about AI towards the end. Do y'all know about Christian's little AI experiment that he's doing? Negative. No. no. So now I'm worried. So keep, <laughs> yeah, he's he like Igor. He's, he's young Frankenstein. He's yeah, he's experimenting. Yeah. Uh, so if you are, uh, if you have a good ear, I guess keep keep an ear out because there's going to be a random thirty seconds of this episode where our voice is going to be replaced with AI generated voice. Uh, it's, it's still it'll still be our voices, or maybe it'll just be me. I'm not sure, but uh, it's going to be AI generated. It's using he's using this tool that. I've heard it. It's pretty convincing. So I thought Eleven Labs. I think it's Eleven Labs. Yeah. yeah, and it's. I thought it was me when he played a clip for me. It was something I totally would have said, and I was like, "How did you get that? Huh. It was fake." So a uh, little scary, but going to be thirty seconds at some point. It may have already happened. Might happen so a little again, bit later. I, I've heard of like um, you know your likeness and your image mm-hmm. and your voice and everything is now copyrightable or should be. Or they're they're arguing whether or not it should be. So you can't just make an AI version of me mm-hmm. and and blur proliferate that you could ruin somebody's life if Correct. you wanted so hopefully christian yeah. won't why do that are you passing me. out weird literature you know yeah. it's like that's not me bro <laughs> <laughs> so if you hear something that sounds a little bit funny to you put the timestamp where you think that 30 seconds starts in the comments and if you are correct we will pin your comment and let you know hey you got it right but just a fun little thing that we're trying to see uh, if you can pick out what's ai generated we'll go ahead and move into our security articles for this app of the show uh this first segment is called who got pooned Looks like you're about to get pwned. Fatality. Yeah! So this headline did give me a bit of a fright, which makes sense because it's almost Halloween. Uh, comes to us from Dark Reading. One password becomes latest victim of Okta. Okta? Is that how you would say that? Yep. Okta customer service breach. So given everything that's happened with our favorite password manager in the past, uh, this was a little bit startling to read. But So it was a, a victim of a customer service breach, but I thought I read somewhere that they said... It, there was no customer service data or no specific data that was released or like everything was secure, but there was a breach. So what's what are the details here? All right. This story has shifted and changed a little bit oh, okay. over the last couple of weeks. And, you know, Okta, uh, this is another one I feel bad for because they they have been a a torch in the darkness of, of providing secure authentication mechanisms and their tools are regarded as like the best in the industry. Uh, but this breach has has turned out to be pretty bad. So. What's going on is an attacker was able to gain access to one of their support accounts. And when customers file a support ticket, sometimes the support technicians would ask for certain data and the customers would archive that data and upload it into the support system. And that's what the attackers had access to. Well, sometimes that data export would contain authentication tokens. Right. Tokens that were already issued and were active. Now, they were only active for a short period of time. Right. Tokens rarely last more than 24 hours and often last even less. Um, I I think like six hours is the industry average on that stuff. So an attacker gained access to the support system and was actively waiting, watching for when these uploads happened so they could grab a token or an authentication uh, token that was still active and then go and perform actions as that customer. And they could do it because the token was still valid. They didn't have to do MFA, didn't have to do username and password because they already had a session token that was ready to go. Okta has announced that there were, uh, I think the number is 170, right? That there were 170 customers affected? 17,000 customers globally. 
Oh, it's used mm. by more than seventeen thousand. Oh, that's what it was. They yeah. They said only like one percent of their of customers, customers were affected, which gotcha. if you do the math is one hundred and seventy. Right. So, uh, a, but a group, they can be giant customers. They can right? be. That's the thing. If if my one customer is Microsoft, <laughs> how many people have? Yeah, you get the idea. Yep. And allegedly, at this point, Okta has reached out and communicated with all of those companies. Now, two companies have come forward as saying they were affected by this, and one of them is a big one. One password. Mm. One password, another password manager, big competitor for LastPass, probably the biggest competitor against LastPass. Uh, they were affected by this. They used Okta for some of their internal authentication for their internal tools. They've said none of their customer data was affected, that it was data that affected some of their internal employees and their internal systems. They detected it. They shut off that access. They reached out to Okta, and Okta confirmed that it was part of that part of that breach. So one password seems to have dodged a bullet on this one. Uh, another company was, I'm forgetting their name. I know Cloudflare. Cloudflare. Yeah, Cloudflare, uh, Cloudflare was affected. Was affected. Yeah. I don't know the details on that one. Do you guys know? They, so apparently the security systems detected the intrusion. Yeah, they were able to nip it in the bud before any customer yeah, data super was quick affected. detections. And they were, like Sophia said, they just jumped on it, put the kibosh, and then contacted Okta and said, hey, here's the thing. <laughs> I don't know if y'all know this, but you got a problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the company that's sharing the most details is Beyond Trust. Oh. Uh, mm. Beyond Trust, another cybersecurity company that provides authentication services, uh, they said that on October 2nd, and this is where the timeline starts to get a bit messy because allegedly the attackers gained access in late, late September. Mm. So in on October 2nd, an attacker was able to gain access to support materials that were uploaded within 30 minutes. So within half an hour of Beyond Trust uploading data into Okta's support system, these attackers had access to it. So that means the attackers were there waiting and watching. Beyond Trust saw what happened. They disabled that access. And so they said, hey, their, their systems are safe. Their information can get out. Uh, they notified Okta about it. And now Beyond Trust is a little miffed because Okta didn't acknowledge the breach for like two more weeks. Hmm. And, uh, you know, That's there's a faux pas. <laughs> it is. There's a whole thing, right? So GDPR requires you to notify customers of a breach within 72 hours of you detecting the breach, right? right? So a lot of companies will suspect they have a breach and then research it. Like take time to confirm. And once they confirm, then they report. Right. So that 72 hours can actually be a period of several weeks if it takes the company a long time to detect what's going on. And what Beyond Trust is saying is Okta is supposed to be the 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 peak of of this type of service they're supposed to have the access to the best resources and they couldn't validate what beyond trust was able to see really clearly it it seems odd so okta is in full damage control mode i don't know if you guys follow things like stock prices or whatever but <laughs> um they've lost over two billion dollars from their valuation that, uh that sounds like a lot don that that is a lot um it, it's bad yeah right yeah. i think something like 20 percent of their valuation but Oof. um they, uh, you know, they're hurting, and mm. and this one, this one's a, a big deal. Yeah, interesting. If I'm remembering correctly, initial compromise was through creds, right? Some they they were Fishing. able to like fish yep. one of the employees. They gave them access, and from there, they were able to kind of move around the cabin and find these HAR files or HAR files, which are HTTP archive files, and inside of that was where the information comes from. They were able to find these tokens or passwords and other things. There's There was sensitive, unobfuscated information inside of these HAR files. 
And that's what they were using. So they would just sit there and wait for someone to generate a ticket. And then when the when that information got uploaded into the ticketing system, they would go, cool, let me take a look and see if anything good in there. Oh, yeah, that's good stuff. Oh, yeah, I like that. Let me get a little bit of this, put that yep. on my plate. And it was a la carte fun for them to then be able to go out and, and compromise these other big name companies. Yep. Yep. Now, Okta has released a tool that, and allegedly they had this tool all along. I'm not an Okta customer, so I don't know. Uh, where whenever you upload data to them, you can use a tool to sanitize that data, to remove things like session tokens before uploading it. But it turns out a lot of customers weren't doing that. Yeah. So if you're an Okta customer and you're worried about this, if you were affected, they should have already notified you. And yeah. so you know you would know at this point whether or not you were affected. If you're an Okta customer and you haven't been notified, then in theory, your data is safe and know that Okta is taking a, a lot of, of steps to, to protect that. Now... If you're an Okta customer and you're thinking, screw this, I'm leaving Okta, I'm going to somebody else, that's a hard one <laughs> yeah, because they're kind of big, right? They're big yeah. and, and they're literally the best at what they do. Yeah. So, you know, when you start looking at the competition yeah. that's out if there. If you thought this was bad, that, that would be the marketing <laughs> campaign. If you thought the Okta <laughs> yeah. breach was bad, just wait till you go to our competitors. It's going to be way worse. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when LastPass had their breach, I, I talked to a number of people that were like, that's it. I, I'm not trusting any password manager ever again. I'm I'm going to use KeePass because I can manage it myself. Hmm. All right. Well, KeePass is getting breached left and right, not because of KeePass's technology, right. because people aren't capable of maintaining it themselves. Right. And and that's what happens. So sometimes you got to just suck it up. I, I, I'm i not ready to pass judgment on Octi yet. I got to find more well, information. And, and the whole LastPass thing was like strike after strike after yes, strike, right. right? It wasn't yeah. just like one little whoopsie. I mean, are you telling me you don't use Microsoft? You don't use Apple, right? You obviously do. You don't use Google? Yes. Everyone uses all of these things every day. It's really hard not to. Yeah. It's not impossible, but it's really, really hard not to, especially if you're in a business sense. So for you to go, it's, it, that's a knee-jerk reaction is to say, oh, I'm not going to use them ever again. No, you go, huh. Let me let me gauge this misstep and see how bad it was. It, it's oversights occur. No one's perfect. L let me. And if you start to see, it's like Fortinet, right? Fortinet has a history of some some janky security. Yes. Right. And therefore, you go well. I, I don't know that I want to hitch my wagon to them anymore. That's a that's a reasoned out opinion and and a logical step to say we're no longer going to use Fortinet if that's the the you know stance you're taking. I could see that. But for you to go, oh, you know, KeyPass is garbage or, or you know, it, it, it's on you, man. You got to not KeyPass. I'm sorry, Okta. Okta is mm -hmm. total garbage. I don't know if it's total garbage. They had a problem. They immediately came out with a fix. Yeah, that whole two-week thing. And there's some weird fining involved and, in like, that you can get extensions for reporting in GDPR if you file for them and stuff. I don't know why they took two weeks. I'd be interested in hearing why that occurred. But it doesn't mean that they're completely like anathema <laughs> at yeah. this point. Yeah. We it could we, get there. It seems like we that comes up a lot that, you know, eventually there's going to be some kind of a breach or an issue. It doesn't matter how strong your security systems are. It just it happens and there's human error and all that stuff. And it seems like it's it's always a case of, OK, well, how gross was the error? How bad was right. it? Was it truly just like, oh, it could have happened to yeah. anybody? There was this freak thing that happened or like oh, your, your systems are awful. Like, this is, you're running things terribly, and that's yeah. why this happened. And then also how they handle it, the follow-up. Right. Like, with LastPass, it was this? error after error, and it seemed like they were kind of withholding information, like, and not for security reasons, but like, oh, no, this is fine. 
And then two weeks later, actually, we lied. It's not. Yeah. So yeah. that kind of stuff, seeing how people handle the issue, that's what would make me go, okay, I don't really, it, things happen, yeah. people make mistakes, but you lied about it too. And that that would make me it's, it's less like, likely. It's like your kids, right? Did you draw on the wall? Yeah. No. <laughs> well, who wrote your name on the wall with a marker? <laughs> My sister. <laughs> well, this massive plot to frame you is really, yeah. really working out here. There's a conspiracy. It was me. <laughs> that that was something that came up a lot with my parents. I'm not yeah. mad that you did it. I'm right. mad that you lied about exactly. it. Exactly. So exactly. Yeah. yeah. Scold just scold the companies. Right. <laughs> Put them in timeout, and that'll solve the problem. Yeah. So yeah, so so we'll have to see. You know, as this develops, what, what more information comes out, and hopefully, it's not another last pass situation where one pass comes out two weeks from now and says, "By the <laughs> way, there's more issues than we thought." You know, we have faith. Yeah. I more think. issues that we told. Yeah, more issues <laughs> than we shared. That was, yeah. that was a secret. And so I, I know I've said this before, um, but I'll, I'll reiterate it. You know, the, these types of breaches have me really concerned. Because you take a company like Okta, where they employ some of the most talented people in the cybersecurity industry, work for that company. They have reverse engineers that are doing work that nobody else is doing. Like they, they have some just the best of all tools, and then they have a breach like this. It makes me look at organizations like ours, or even my own personal stuff. I'm like, how, how the heck am I supposed to protect my assets when? organizations like like Okta aren't even right. able to do it like we are just behind the eight ball it, it's it's not a great place to be no no it really uh really fills your heart with joy and gladness <laughs> doesn't it <laughs> oh i love a sense of dread in the morning yes. it's great yeah. we love to see it I, this segment was fed through doom gpt yeah and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this isn't our real persons this is ai generated <laughs> avatars welcome back to technado where yep. we give you the yeah. worst case scenario that's right Every we're time. all gonna so, die <laughs> game over man <laughs> well hopefully this doesn't pop up on a deja news in the future unless it's good news you know good good updates we're gonna move on to our next segment this is one of my favorites because i Try to do the voice. This next segment is Dope. I love looking over and seeing Daniel go. She always checks for my approval. On I would say I think that's your best one yet. Let's go. You need the Olympic scorecard. Like that was a nine point two. Hold it up. I think it should be a ten. And speaking of tens, we're gonna talk about those in this article. So uh this comes to us from the Hacker News. Warning, unpatched Cisco zero-day vulnerability actively targeted in the wild. So it does have a severity rating, a maximum severity rating of 10.0, which I'm told is pretty unheard of. That's pretty rare. Is that correct? It's not every day, that's for sure. But it does happen, <laughs> and it has happened. It's not as rare as it should be. Yeah. <laughs> What's funny is the uh, like John Strain and then we're talking about this, and they said, don't worry. Give it, give it, a, give it a little time. It'll be down to a nine point eight. They're not going to let that stand. <laughs> the rationalize. Yeah. It was really not that bad. Yeah. So I know since then there's been I think a second zero day that was found like a day or two ago. So it's more recent. But as far as this first one goes, what was this? What was this zero day security flaw? All right. I, I'm going to start at the high level and then we'll let Daniel deal, dig into details. Well, on we this actually one. talked about this last week. We talked about this specific zero day, but this now is the this very is, same. It, it's the same zero day. Yeah. But there's I think there's an update now. But yes, there is an update. So okay. with this one, it, it has expanded. There's over like 42,000 devices that are not vulnerable that are already exploited yeah. out there in the wild. So it's, it's, it's fun, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it, it, it's going pretty bad. Um, the key thing with this is there's vulnerabilities in the web interface on these Cisco devices, right? And I don't know how far you guys dug into it last week or whatever, but uh, 
this whole thing, it might be a 10. It might be, maybe it's like Spinal Tap, and this one goes to 11. Apparently, if if you have a Cisco device that is running the web GUI and it is connected to the internet, assume compromise. Yeah, and I, now I, I was a authorized Cisco trainer for many years, and I, I taught the CCNA, CCMP security for many years. And and in those courses, one of the one of the first things we did was on a router and a switch, you disable the web interface because the web interface is pointless anyway on those devices, right? So you, you disable them. You don't need them. Hot garbage. <laughs> on the firewalls where you do need the web interface, I mean, you could disable it, but yeah. you usually people would rely on the ASDM and tools like that. You don't turn off the web interface, but you restrict it to your management network, right? It's all right in the Cisco hardening guides. This is not new information. This is stuff that's been taught for years and years and years that, yes, this is a 10 vulnerability, but the only way to exploit it is if somebody has exposed the web interface to the internet, which is a huge fail, or if the attacker is inside of your environment. And again, you've exposed it to the internal network, which also is, is a failure. You should have a management network for this stuff. Now, in my opinion, what's actually driving this as a problem, SSL VPNs, hmm. right? Cisco router support SSL VPNs, Cisco firewall support it. The iOS XE has it. Uh, you know, If you've paid for that feature and you have to expose the web interface for SSL VPN to work, and that's where this falls apart. And that's where like my advice to people is, don't use your routers as SSL VPN servers. Don't even use your firewalls for that. You want to have dedicated servers that are specifically serving that purpose. Don't try and jam too much functionality on a single device. That's really what this stems from. Well, now you're just taking all the fun out of it, Don, right? Because <laughs> where's the fun of not having things like SSL VPNs and, you know, web interfaces that are horribly, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, exploitable? So what I was reading uh, when it comes to this specific thing, I saw that these threat actors were hiding the fact that it had been exploited, making it like to the – so they're, I think they released some system that allowed you to check whether or not you were vulnerable to this. And if you were, you could fix it, right? The threat actors that had already compromised a lot of these devices updated their implants to make it look like those devices were not exploitable, Right. So they were finding uh, indicators of compromise still when another way, shape, or form. So that was the big update I saw on this, that it was still continuing to be exploited because people thought, oh, I'm not exploitable, so I'm good. But they'd already been exploited. They didn't know what to do. But then there's another theory that some, like, gray hat is out there actually patching and running through this because they're rebooting, and a reboot can can wipe this thing out and keep it from working. Yep. Yeah. What I saw was um, there, there's two stages to the exploit. And so they might have gained a foothold and staged some of the files in memory. Mm -hmm. But if they haven't restarted the web service, it doesn't go has taken effect. Yeah. The backdoor isn't there yet. Um, but they could log in anytime and activate it. Right. And because of that, it's really hard to detect because they haven't technically activated it, but they're ready to reach in and do it. Right. Um, the reality is when companies have routers like these that are exposed to the internet, they aren't patching them on a regular basis. They because uh, they, they don't like to reboot them. Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> you, you have downtime. Right. Uh, and and people look at these devices and think they're secure. Like, what's an attacker going to do if they get in there? Well, Don, turns out they can do quite a bit. Isn't this why we have redundancy, Don? Isn't that isn't that why we go? Hey, I've got when I need to do, um, you know, updates, a patching, and all that stuff. I just flip over to this device. Yeah. Right. It's just as simple as changing a route. And he goes, "Oh, cool. I'm going this way now." And you do all this stuff, and you flip it back, and then you update that yep. one, and you're done. I Eight. know it costs money, 
Because you got to have the second device. You have to have a second device. Yeah, the licensing isn't as expensive, but right. uh, there's HSRP, GLBP. Um, I mean, hell, you can do BGP. You just have yeah. multiple routes into your your public subnet. So there, there's more than one way to do that right. where you can update these devices. Um, yeah, it's just it's frustrating to see stuff like this. Yeah, but when it happens, it's like... Oh, the, the interesting takeaway for me on this is that, man... There's always going to be some new badass exploit out there that causes all sorts of chaos. Next week, we'll have another one, right? Maybe tomorrow, we'll have another one. It's, it's, it's that crazy. It's what do we learn? It's kind of back to what we just talked about with Okta. Did you learn from this, right? The fact that uh, Cisco has an exploitable system isn't really shocking to me, even though even it's even the fact that it's a 10 <laughs> on CVSS isn't that shocking to me. The fact that you're exposing a web interface to a very sensitive piece of production equipment to the internet, that's what's shocking to me. Yep. Like, we still have to do our part as the end user for security, right? This isn't a, I'm going to buy security, and it's it's and I have no onus of responsibility on me. Yeah. If I'm going to implement that thing, I have my own res- areas of responsibility that if I'm not doing my job, that's my fault. Yeah. Right? Now I uh, you know I didn't pick it, but D-Link, uh, the the oh, router yeah. manufacturer, they had a yeah. breach this week. Um, theirs was a phishing customer service thing, but yeah. uh, usually this type of mistake standard it, operating procedure ex- <laughs> exposing the web interface to the internet. That's usually a mistake home users right. make, right? Like, oh, I want to be able to remote into my home network, or I want to be able to open and close ports, so I'm I'm gonna expose that to the that internet admin page. Yeah, yep, mm. and and you hear about people doing that, and as a home user, maybe you don't know that, maybe you know, it's a mistake, but. When you get into the business space, which is where Cisco routers are typically leveraged, you should know better. It's this, this is not new knowledge. Yeah. yeah. So this this initial zero day that we've been talking about, I know we kind of mentioned it last week. This was initially, I know the Hacker News published it. I think the seventeenth. So there was, as of just a couple of days ago, a second zero day, lower lower rating, seven point two, but it's a CVE twenty twenty three two zero two seven three. And it's not it's not as obviously severe as this initial one, but they've been using it to deliver the implant that gotcha. they so so it's kind of they're using them in conjunction, I guess. It's just interesting yep. to see. And then there's also an older command injector vulnerability that they've been using as well to to deliver this. Yeah. So it's just interesting to see how they kind of layer yeah. on top Chain, of each other. Chaining exploits, right? Attack mm-hmm. chains. That's that's what we're basically discussing here, where you, I can use one thing as long as I got some sort of access or I can do one thing, I might be able to leverage that into another thing. And that's why a, security is really hard, and B, <laughs> you got to do your part to learn exactly what it is when it comes to your environment that you can do, and this is why you should be performing pen tests on a regular basis and doing a vulnerability scans on a regular basis. If you're developing code, you need to do code reviews. You need to be checking your third parties. You, there's a lot of work that goes into this, and I, I saw a meme this weekend that was uh, like a um, a tip jar almost kind of thing. And it, it had a little bit of money in it down at the bottom. And it said the um, security budget before a breach. And then after that, it was like overflowing. It said security budget after a breach. That's that's the wrong way to think about it, right? And unfortunately, but that is kind of the, the state of the, the issue here is that I'm, I'm not giving you enough money because we, we've never been breached before. We're not big enough. We don't have anything anybody will want. Your preconceived notions on on uh, what security should look like for your, when it comes to the people that don't do security for a living are whacked out (laughs) a lot of times. It's just crazy. They think, why would anybody want to? It's like, the better question is, why wouldn't they want to? Do you have something that they can use? Then they want it, right? Charlie used to say about the the salespeople, 
<laughs> you know, I don't care what their spend, their training budget is. I want it all. <laughs> right? <laughs> Get every dime of their training budget and have them spend it with us. Same thing. Hackers, they don't care what you have. They want it all. And because eventually they can find some way to using it. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's just the little things. And it and it's not even like this this exploit, there's a 7.2, yeah. right? By itself, not such a big deal, but the hackers have access to all of the exploits, not, <laughs> yeah, not right. just it's this not one. Like, well, I guess I'm <laughs> just pigeonholed in here. What am I gonna do? Yep. <laughs> yep. So that that's where we end up in in real trouble. So yeah. So I was able to find a little bit more information on that second vulnerability. It was an article from Security Week. So if you're interested in reading more about that, you can check that Not out the there. Hacker news. Not the Hacker News. Not my favorite <laughs> news source ever. It'd be so cool if somebody from the Hacker News was, yeah. was watching these. Yeah. And love you guys. <laughs> so anyway, we'll go ahead and move on. This next article is not from the Hacker News. Uh, this comes to us from uh, Krebs on Security, and this is going to be part of a segment called Behind Bars. The law, and you'll it's another go movie I need to watch. Jail. That voice. It's on the list, and the second one too, I guess. Anyway, the article. <laughs> this, the uh, title of this article is "Tech CEO Sentenced to Five Years in IP Address Scheme." He was scheming. Oh, the miscreant! So he's a CEO of a Charleston, South Carolina-based technology company, Micfo. Micfo. Not sure how that's pronounced. You'll have to let us know what y'all think. Uh, sentenced to five years in prison for wire fraud. So I'm curious what uh, what made this article stand out to y'all as this is interesting. Let's talk the about this. The douchey picture of the, the guy. That, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm yeah. just looking at him. I go, yes, straight to jail. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, a number one thought for me. I, yeah. I was like, you know what? We need we we need Technado photos. We yeah. need to bring in whoever this photographer is. Yeah, and <laughs> have them take these pictures of us looking like Euro trash. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that one's, that one's pretty bad. But uh, a couple of years ago, and I, I don't think you were on the podcast then, Sophie. Probably but, wasn't uh, live. Uh, but we, <laughs> we reported on, on how a, a small company most people never heard of was hoarding a huge cache of IPv4 addresses. IPv4 addresses are in limited supply. Many of the uh, registrars have, have already issued out all of the, the numbers that they've got, and you can only get small portions we reported just a couple of weeks ago on how AWS is now starting to charge a fee for IPv4 addresses. So, so these are are a a limited resource, right? Supply and demand is driving up prices, and so this guy concocted a scheme where if you go and request like 16 IP addresses, you'll probably get it. If you request 254 IP addresses, you probably won't. You have to fill out a form. You have to show that you're going to use them. The The ISPs are supposed to test to make sure you're actively actively using those IPs. If you try and request like a Class B, a 65,000 address pool, roughly, then you're really going to get a no on that. Like, I mean, who needs that many IPs? Well, this guy, through what turns out to be a network of shell corporations, just a, a ton of different companies, was able to amass a pool of 735,000 thousand ipv4 addresses and in the old days nobody would care about that right like, oh, whatever we got tons of addresses but in today's world there is real limited supply when even aws is struggling to maintain their their capacity that's a problem do, do you have to purchase those done or is it just like request and if, as long as you got a need for it they they issue it so Doing a request and getting it issued is the easy way. Yeah. If you want to purchase IP, so like if you want to have your own BGP autonomous system, yeah. you need to purchase your IP pool. Gotcha. That's harder to do, and it's very expensive. Uh, but you know, if you're trying to have true redundancy and independence from ISPs, you need that, right? Yeah. 
So companies still need IPv4. IPv6 is wide, widely supported now on really every OS, every device, but many people still haven't moved over to it because it hasn't really been something forcing that over. This guy wanted to take advantage of that to amass a giant pool that he could then resell. Um, and almost almost got away with it too if it wasn't for those meddling kids <laughs> yeah, man. and their nosy dog. Um, well, he was he was driving a Lamborghini around and <laughs> uh, more than likely. Yeah. These guys, I mean, it it's crazy what what they did. Uh, but you know, had a Caribbean company, had a number of shell companies, they all went out and requested IPs and got them uh and pulled them together. Uh this lawsuit has been going on since 2018. So this has been five wow. years in the making. Uh, and just now he's been sentenced and all they could get him on was wire fraud, right? You know, the, the shell companies using that to misrepresent, uh, cause there's no real criminal damages able to be assigned by ARIN or, or yeah. any of those groups. Well, he's using that IP money on, on lawyers right now, right? <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Um, it's pretty good ones. Apparently if it's taken him five years to, to like work this case. Yeah. But he got jail time. So he did? well, I mean, a lot of times they'll do that, right? They'll just stick you in jail, even though you haven't been. <laughs> You've been convicted of a crime, but for for tech crimes like these, right. it's That's usually uncommon. probation, yeah. whatever you know. House arrest is is mm. pretty common. Yeah. Um, did, it, man. it does say they interviewed him back in 2020, and he talked about how he was uh, Mike Fo, Mike Fo, whatever. I'm assuming that's probably Mike Fo. That seems like it makes more sense. Was at one point responsible for brokering roughly 40 percent of the IP addresses used by the world's largest VPN providers. But through the whole conversation, maintained his innocence. Oh, we have to create these phony companies to prevent certain entities from interfering with business going forward. So he was talking about this, it sounds like, years ago. And this is just now com coming to a head, I guess? Well, he he pled guilty. Oh, so yeah. he, was, he yeah. was just like, yeah, I did it. Well, it said that the Golestan uh, initially sought to fight those charges, but um, on just the second day of his trial, November 2021, Golestan... Uh, changed his mind and pleaded guilty to 20 counts of wire fraud in connection with the phantom companies that secure the IP addresses. Yeah. So, yep. you, so you he, plead guilty, you you go to jail. <laughs> he did a uh, he did a plea deal to minimize his sentence, more yeah. than likely, and uh, so he got five years in prison, uh, which is is nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to spend one week in prison. So there's there's that. I hear prison's really like not good. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I've heard too. It's not uh, fun. <laughs> you won't enjoy your stay at San Quentin Inn. <laughs> yep. uh, and he has been ordered to pay seventy seven thousand dollars in restitution to Aaron uh, Arian, uh, which is kind of a slap on the wrist, I think. But yeah, yeah. But there it is. Comparatively to some of the other cases that we talk about, that does seem. I mean, obviously seventy seven thousand dollars to me, that's a lot of money, but. In comparison to some of the other cases we've talked about, it does seem like small potatoes. Like, like he's, what do you yeah. call it, a slap on the wrist? Yeah. yeah. He's doing yeah. 60 months in prison. Why, what is it, a, a baby? Yeah. Like, just tell me how many flipping <laughs> years this guy got. I got to do math in my head. What do I look like, Albert Einstein over here? Why did they do that? That's <laughs> I don't weird. No. Yeah. <laughs> this like is I'm my daughter. Yeah. She's 276 months old. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so proud. Come on. <laughs> Followed by a two year well, uh, term court ordered supervision. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's fine. Well, if you do the crime yeah. and you openly admit to doing the crime, you will do the time, evidently. So, <laughs> All wow. 60 months of it. All 60 months of it, yes. Was that five years, right? It's five years. That is five years. Yeah, yeah. 60 divided by, yeah, that's five years. But yeah, it's interesting. They they were just, they did a thesaurus. They were tired of saying five years over and over again in the article, and they were like, how can we rephrase yeah, this? Yeah, they got to be different. 60 months. Really yeah. throw a wrench in chat GPT. <laughs> and then the, you know, the other thing to stack on top of this is what he was doing with those IPs. Companies Whoa, like, I, what his does in his personal life is his business, Don. <laughs> well, you know, like people that send spam email, 
Yeah. They need to rotate IPs because right. they end up on block lists. Yeah, and C2 so, servers. There's all sorts of nefarious yep. things you can do. He was feeding IPs to them. These VPN companies that tell you no logs, whatever, mm. you know, they need to rotate IPs. Yeah. So he was he was certainly dealing to companies that are not necessarily on the level. Mm. Okay. So well, there you go. <laughs> We'll uh, we'll see what he's doing in sixty months when he gets out. Maybe that'll be a deja, deja <laughs> news segment in sixty months here on Technado. If you do enjoy this riveting banter and all the lovely little side roads that we go down, we would love it if you considered subbing to the YouTube channel. Leave a like. Check out all the other previous Technado episodes if you haven't already. And there's a bunch more on the IT Pro channel as well. All of ACI Learning's previous webinars and live on social events live on this channel. Anything we do is usually live on that channel. We've got uh, an all things cybersecurity webinar airing, I believe, later today, the day this episode. Airs. Uh, it'll be October 26th. And that's going to be Mr. Daniel Lowry with Joe Hudson, right? Joe FTCM. Hudson, yes, right. We're going to talk about getting a getting into cybersecurity without a degree. Mm. Like what are the other paths available? It does seem like it would be a hot button topic. So it that'll is be indeed. That'll be with uh, Joe Hudson of TCM Security. So definitely check that out. That'll be a good one. Uh and of course, Wild West Hacking Fest 2023 is over. Unfortunately, Ooh. we had a great time. Um, I think it was a really good first conference for me, at least. And I know Daniel had yeah. fun because I want forever con. <laughs> he want, yeah. Daniel just wants to go and do that all the time forever. But um, if you are, you know, feeling a little not homesick, South Dakota sick, Deadwood sick. Yeah. Anyway, you can check out those interviews, like I said, on our channel as well. Um, thanks again to our sponsor, ACI Learning, for supporting the podcast. And again, use that code TechNATO30 for a discount on your IT Pro membership. If that is something that's up your alley, that's what we do in our day jobs. And we love every second of it. Well, I'm speaking for myself. But, uh, but we do. We love every second of it. I think that's pretty much going to do it for me. Am I forgetting anything? Probably. Great. <laughs> I don't know why I ask. I get the same answer every week. And, of course, you know, it's almost Halloween, so we hope you guys have a happy Halloween next time you see us. It'll be post-spooky season, I guess. And my Christmas tree will be up in my house. So thanks for joining us for this episode of Technado, and we'll see you next time.